moving your career further faster. That's the mission behind Cascading Leadership. Each week, we're bringing you stories of women, immigrants, members of the global majority who have risen to the ranks of senior leadership in the world of business. Get ready to gather the insights of some of the world's best business leaders and apply those to your career. If you're interested in sales and marketing effectiveness, organizational effectiveness, talent strategy, DEI, or HR tech, tune in. We're going to share with you what they don't teach you in business school. Welcome to the show. Previously on Cascading Leadership. Let me see how I make this work or how can I do this in a way that uh, that I'm figuring out what works for me. So it's it just caught my attention when you mentioned it because he had actually written, he writes about this pretty I, significantly. I, 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 I want to add to that because I'm yeah. reminded, so I do this as well. I call them observation logs. And I, when I've designed onboarding programs, incorporate an observation log for the new person for them to keep track of what they're learning for that exact reason. But more specifically, or more to the point, there's this thing called the learning pyramid. And the learning pyramid breaks down the different tactics or the different types of, let's say, learning scenarios and assigns a retention percentage to it. And I don't even remember what the breakdown are, but I remember the base of the pyramid, right? 90% of what is learned with the intent to teach other people is retained. I'm going to say that again. 90% of what is learned with the intent to teach other people is retained. This is why I love it, like the idea of incorporating like as uh, an onboarding series for people that have just gotten through onboarding, right? And so at the, if someone knows that they're finishing onboarding and they're going to talk about it or whatever, and they're going to teach others coming behind them what it felt like and blah, blah, blah. They're going to be paying closer attention and they're going to retain what they're learning at a 90 percentile. Same thing with uh, whatever. There's a, a bunch of different ways that, that that plays out. And so the observation log, just a day, once a day after each session. And think about the quality control aspect that, that comes with having access to the these observation logs. If I'm trying to iterate on my onboarding programming or whatever it is that I'm doing, I can then go back and revisit that experience and revisit the aha moments that I had and then go from there. Dr. Jim, or Jim, I've got one for learning to podcast, like it, all the tools and the day, like I, so I'm with uh, Justin Welsh on this in a big way. I can't wait to go back and find it. And now the conclusion of our conversation. The onboarding series and the observation log that's pretty key. And I'm thinking about my onboarding experiences. There's most of the organizations that I've been at had no sort of next step after you go through the onboarding process. That's assuming they had an onboarding process that forced the learning through teaching. And when you look at some of the social dynamics of it, and this is, I don't know the exact source of this, but there has been studies done in terms of if you have families that have mobile kids or and you look at the middle children, they actually tend to be the most advanced because they're learning from not only their older siblings, but they're teaching their younger siblings what they're learned too. So you have, I don't know if this is necessarily anecdotal, but when you look at what you were talking about, the learning pyramid and 90% of the learning that's retained occurs when those people going through the learning process have to teach it to somebody else, it, it parallels those studies on middle children and how they learn from a competency perspective. So that's an awesome call out. Can I add one thing to this too, that I think is 
big part of the problem in the way that we operate as sales floors right now. It's the like people when they're learning, the importance of the little wins along the way is really important. And so right off the bat, like we don't we need to do a far better job as, uh, as a profession in helping our team to separate their definition of success from an outcome. And so to bring it back to the journey, which is not even like this, is, this was the setup for what I was going to say. But then the other piece of it is that most, I don't know, most or whatever, but like I think of win rates on qualified opportunity or conversion rates for if it's a, we're talking about an SDR team. If your team is operating, at a 20% or below win rate, you're literally setting them up to fail 80% of the time. And you will all, same thing with the insane activity metrics without linking back to results of any kind. Don't even get me started on the digital pollution that our profession generates for, for what, but that's another piece of it as well, is figuring out how to elevate the collective mindshare so that we can do a better job of converting the opportunities that are in front of us, which will absolutely enhance the learning potential. And I, I equate this to is an important thing to ask while interviewing, because the equivalent is if you're on a team that's operating with an under 20% win rate, like that's what, let's say JV basketball, right? And all the way up through, I think it's very difficult to get above 75%. And maybe it's just me that I was never able to do it, but I stayed at 75 for enterprise deals towards the end actually for the majority. But I mentioned that because it's a lot more fun to learn and grow and try new things with peers or whatever. I Let me connect it back. It's the playing on a professional basketball team as opposed to the JV high school team. And so that's, a, I think, is a massive part of the bigger picture, the bigger story it is a win. What is it? What is the end goal? What, what does great look like? And I think a bar, the bar is very low there. It's interesting that you reference win rates. I have a different perspective, and this is probably a conversation for another day. I pay more attention, and this is in line with separating the process from the outcome. A great book on that is Chop Wood, Carry Water, which talks exactly about that. And the topic or the theme of the book is fall in love with the process of becoming great. And this is one of those things where a lot of what exists out in the world of work is focused on, well the end result. And especially in, in sales, you're not in control of the end result. What you can control is your consistent, sustained execution of the inputs required to reach the desired outcome. And you can control being a little bit better than yesterday's version of yourself. Yep. Yep. Win the day. James Daverman, who was one of our first guests, talks about winning the day as, a, as an exercise in continuous in, improvement. So where I was going with that is look at win rates, but I actually put more focus on pipeline volume. So are five to eight times in terms of quality pipeline over what your target goal is and that and focusing on that, assuming win rates are going to fall within a certain rate. Oh, yeah. Been- that, yeah. I think focusing too hard, especially sales enablement, this is a lagging indicator and we're absolutely looking at the conversions much earlier in the pipeline, but I don't think that they're zero sum. I use that example as a, just to highlight at a broad perspective, it's going to be easier to motivate your team to learn when they're winning more often than losing. Yeah. Before we wind down the conversation, I want to touch on the topic of not boiling the ocean. 
Like, how do you foundationally build out anything that you want to learn and break it into smaller pieces? So I think you talked about how you use building blocks into your efforts. So what are some of the things that, that when you're looking at a big concept and you're talking about conscious incompetence, oh my God, that's a big target and I'm at the bottom of the mountain. What are some things that can be done at the desk level or as a mindset perspective to break down the insurmountable thing into smaller pieces? So as a sales enabler, it's hard not to be effective at this point because most of the ways that we're teaching and training SDRs do not involve the, the building blocks, right? It's We're going to teach them how to be cogs, right? And so I actually, my third episode, Jim, on my show was called, it's Day Kong Cracks the SDR Talent Code. And we go deep into my methodology. And so for anybody that's interested in that topic, like I would point you directly at that episode and Day was able to, I think we're talking about a 300% improvement in monthly performance in a month and a half, insane. But when I'm, what I would say to listeners, right, is that there's no wrong answer. And I would encourage you to pick the one that you want to learn first, right? The one that kind of gets you most excited, but with the knowledge that it requires a little bit of insight into how you personally learn. And so I'll generally go through an exercise with somebody about, tell me what the last time you learned something and then what did you do? And I'm listening for their learning style, plural, styles, plural, so that I can help point them at resources that align with that style. And as well as I'm going to co-create their learning journey with them by asking them where they want to start and then creating a soft schedule uh, around it. And so not to say that this is feasible at scale. Okay. However, I think the co-creation piece of it and just understanding that people like letting them choose which medium they want to learn from. Take video as a perfect example, right? When you're learning from a video, it's great. Don't get me wrong, but you're if you're creating content that's just videos, you're tethering the learning to the desk which is the opposite in sales, especially as you move up the ranks through strategic and enterprise, sellers are on the move. And there, there's that piece of it to consider. And then I love starting with the 80-20 rule right, in sales. This is my favorite thing to teach sellers, especially at the beginning, because I'm as an ADHD person, hypersensitive, I was like focused very hard on my energy and my time, knowing that this is the most precious non-renewable resource that I've got. And what like for anybody that's listening, and I actually just did an episode about this one too. And but the 80-20 rule, you're going to get 80% of your results from 20% of your activities. 80% of the revenue is coming from 20% of the clients. 80% of the revenue is coming from 20% of the sellers. 80% of the crashes are coming from 20% of the bugs. 80% of the features that are used in what you're selling contribute to eight or 20% of the features contribute to 80% of the usage. Okay. But anyway, so your job as a seller at the beginning is to identify what your 20 percenters are, the actions that you are taking, and then with the ability to connect it to the results that you're getting. And then your job is to iterate in that you're doing more of what's working and less of what's not working. And so I think as it relates to sales, that is one of the most important concepts to start with because it sets the stage for like just a broader understanding of what you're trying to get at. Is it about the activity or is it about the results? And then does it, but now we can talk about how we track that. And I, yeah. I don't care. It could be hashtags on a bar nap or whatever, but this is one of the downsides of these turnkey dashboards. We've lost the connection to the science of what we're doing. And so when that has happened, teaching the fundamentals to people becomes very difficult. 
And I'm reminded, who is it from at Lambeau Field with oh, Lombardi, right? Gentlemen, this is a football. It's the fundamentals. You start with the fundamentals. So I want to tie in that 80-20 concept to something that's really tactical. And it, it can be applied to any number of things. But if you're if you're an SDR, if you're an account executive and you have a territory and you're trying to figure out how do I tackle this territory with a thousand contacts in it or 10,000 contacts in it, the practical application is go. And we already know that people aren't going to respond to email at a high rate and respond to phone calls at a high rate, but you're going to still do those activities because some will respond. And you look at other channels that are active and LinkedIn is a great example. If you're prospecting, and you have a thousand names, look for the names of people that are most active in your buyer group on LinkedIn, and then start following and engaging with their content, because those are going to be the most likely out of that cohort that are going to engage with you. And you can bring them into your ecosystem and position them to potentially enter into a selling conversation. So that's the practical application. So if you have a thousand names, you look for the ones that are most likely to respond. The trigger event is looking at their activity on LinkedIn and then focusing your engagement across that smaller group of people that are most active and then advance the conversation and build a relationship with those people and bring them in. Yes. And this could also be the two lists against each other. Let's say you're targeting sales leaders. The first list is sales floors that have grown by 500% in the past year. And the second list is organizations that you know have a new marketing director. And you can test your response rates on either of those lists, right? It could be time of day. It could be the day of the week, right? You can test also known as an A-B test thing. And frankly, as far as I'm concerned at the beginning, the most important thing is learning how to do those tests. And then I'll take it a step further. It's learning how to think. I think it was Clayton M. Christensen. This is actually a quote in my summary section on my on LinkedIn. It said, but my leadership style is best described with this quote. I didn't tell him what to think. I taught him how to think. And then he reached what I thought was the correct decision on his own or her own. And that is not something that we see on sales floors, especially SDR floors. And then when we look at the, we're promoting up through these cycles, like this is the type of individual that's moving through. And so I'm far more interested in teaching people how to logic and think through the role at the beginning. And also for, I'm, this is actually, this is the episode I'm working on now. So I can't believe you just mentioned it, Dr. Or Jim, that there's, if you're looking to start or establish a relationship with somebody that's maybe not posting on LinkedIn, Run a Google search for content items. Listen for listen to a podcast they did and sit, reach out to them and say, thank you. This was my favorite part. Look at this speaking circuit and see who's speaking where. If it's something that's coming up, oh, I saw that you're doing this. This looks great. How did you get to this? Well, either way, thank you for putting taking the time to put it together. There's a tremendous amount of things that you can do to create and establish a relationship, even if somebody is not married to LinkedIn as our universe tends to be. That's a fantastic call out. And I think the fundamental principle is you're in this age where you have so much information that you can find out about people like Google is your friend. So you you can set the damn alerts. Like when you're, if you're thinking now, think about it from the, so this is my ADHD and the hypersensitivity. I am highly aware of the impact of the senses because I feel everything at probably like a four or five times stronger than average. And what I mean by that is as a content creator, or maybe you just did 
a guest episode or whatever, and this person is a target of a high priority account, if you've set your Google alert, you will be notified the moment that it hits. And in that moment, that is when this person is the most excited. Yeah. And so you can use timing to your advantage there too. Yep. And you know that, that gets into relevancy plays. And actually where I was going with what you just mentioned, the reason why you set these things up, and this is fundamental to being an effective salesperson, you are not the star of their story. You're a plot device. So how are you looking for information that helps you reinforce their belief that they're the hero in their own story? And that's critical to sales. And where oftentimes a lot of salespeople go wrong is that they make the story about us or our product and we lead with that. No, you don't lead with that. You lead with the customer and something that they did that impacted you and you go in the world that way. And I think that's critical too. That's one of the implications that I took out from it. Man, I could uh, I could talk with you forever, but we we have stuff to do. So <laughs> before before we wrap up, what are the big takeaways from your experience in this conversation that you want people in the audience to walk away from? So that's question one. And it could be two to three takeaways. And then the other question is, what are you working on and where can people find you? The first takeaway is to take some responsibility for your own learning journey. If you're waiting for someone else to do it for you, to put something onto a silver platter or to to have a new team to be recruited, you're going to be waiting for a long time. And so go first, be the change that you want to see and push yourself and talk about it. that will have a ripple effect around you. Like you cannot possibly imagine. The second is that things are changing, right? The buyers, Jim referenced being aligned with what the buyers are saying, what the, if you haven't read some of these buyer reports from the past year and a half, like you are missing out. I have never, they are irate at this point. And so irate across the board. And then I marry that. I think it was the state of sales. It was a sales force. And they were asking sellers how good of a job they're doing at connecting with people. And it's something crazy, like 78% or we are, I am great at connecting with the buyers. And then the buyers are like something 92% saying that we report feeling like a number. And so I would challenge you to rethink what you're doing and why you're doing it. And who says that the results can't be better. And as leaders with the knowledge that sometimes our experience can be the thing that hurts us the most, right? Because what worked for us, what got us our results, what got us to where we are, that can often be the hardest thing to let go of. And I understand that it's scary, the idea of letting your people express a little bit of autonomy and creativity. That's the only, that's the only way. And then where can people find me? What am I working on? I was, we were just talking about, I've got a new who murdered the deal, murder mystery experience. So for anybody that's looking to shake up their ASM or sales kickoff meeting, or just a team building exercise, while also thinking about some of the risks that can be used into emotion from the team perspective, that's, so I'm really excited about that. And then the other one is just, yeah, building out these podcast series for teams. And again, to help people to democratize the voices on the team, right? But whether this is a success series for with your top performers or a conversation with buyers or thing and everything in between, this medium is not going, I don't want to say it's not going away. The impact, the effectiveness of this medium is no longer up for debate. And so now it's just a matter of 
how and where we're going to incorporate it. But I think Jim and I can talk about how hard it can be at the beginning. And that I'm just, I'm excited, Jim. I'm excited to work with clients that are excited about trying new things, are excited about change, and are excited about empowering their people as human beings who then also generate a significant amount of, of revenue. That is a fantastic wrap up, Amy. Appreciate you sharing that. And just- Oh, to... oh, oh and my show. I'm sorry. Oh my God. I was getting, to, I was going to recap all of that. So just, just so we're absolutely clear, you can find Amy, obviously on LinkedIn. She's part of the sell without selling out community. So definitely connect with her on that. And you can join the community, which is a fantastic place to be. She is the host of the revenue reel hotline. Which and... you can find wherever you listen to your podcasts. And it's also at revenuereel.com. And that 80-20 episode that I was just talking about, it's a quick nine-minute clip and the feedback has been incredible. So anybody that wants to dig into learning that for themselves or for their team. I'm sorry, Jim, I've got excited. I can't believe I forgot about the damn I wasn't going to let you forget. So there are a lot of different ways and specifically to that 80-20 uh, episode that rolled out. It's nine minutes and it's got eight takeaways out of it. And I am not BSing when I say that. Definitely check out Amy. Uh, if you don't have a direct line, you can connect with me on LinkedIn and I will do an intro and all that sort of stuff. But Amy Rahovchek. Oh my gosh, that was really good. Thank you for joining us. This was a phenomenal conversation and packed with so much information. So I appreciate you uh, hopping on and sharing with us all of your expertise. You can find us uh, in terms of cascading leadership everywhere. We are on LinkedIn, we are on YouTube, we are on TikTok, we are on Facebook. So make sure you are liking, subscribing, following, sharing, telling your friends, because this is a completely organic build. And thanks for joining us. And we will talk to you next time. Thank you for listening to this episode of Cascading Leadership. We hope you enjoyed the story as much as we did. Make sure you subscribe to our show on your favorite podcast player. Follow us on YouTube, TikTok, LinkedIn, Twitter, and Facebook. Leave us a review. Tell a friend. If you're interested in sponsoring the show, reach out to me at jim at cascadingleadership.com. Tune in next time for another great episode that will help you move your career further faster.